Welcome back to One Shot, One Quill, Too Hot to Handle this week. We are joined uh, by a guest. Would you would you want to say hello for us real quick? Introduce yourself to this pot, this gumbo, Listen, this folks, stew of friends. The last time I was here, they kicked me out. They said, look, you've been here for too long. It's starting to smell. Uh, I let them believe they ushered me out. I took a spade and dug myself a new hole inside of their studio. Uh, it's me again. They found the hole. Evan's back and he's ready to rumble. How's it going, guys? Now, Evan, I appreciate that you have remembered the uh, storyline that you injected into the yes. show last mm-hmm. time, because I absolutely, after 20 weeks or whatever the hell <laughs> since we talked about that, uh, had completely forgotten that you were living in the studio. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, look, I haven't had a lot to do. Uh, I polished the spade and that's not a masturbation joke. Uh it definitely now that you say it like that, it would have been less of a euphemism uh-huh. if you hadn't qualified. I that. Mean, but now the thoughts in my head. I think it's exactly the same either way. But of course, now I've I've written my own bed, uh, and I'm gonna go polish my spade in it. At this point, I'm thinking that does mean you spent the last twenty weeks masturbating. Yeah. Uh, well, sir, yes. Don't go in the you, hole is the thing. <laughs> you've not introduced you and I. Uh, you are Spencer, one of the co-hosts, along with me, Ben, the other co-host of this show, which is One yes. Shot, One Quill. You really and? jumped into the guest thing, so I wanted to make sure we got well, that in. I, you're old news. We're both old news. That's true. Uh, that's, Evan hasn't been here in uh, 10 episodes, Correct. Well, which is like a, a decade in podcast time. Again, I have actually been here. You just were not aware there was a, a subterranean <laughs> The layer. radio personality of Evan hasn't been here for 10 episodes. <laughs> the squatter of, of Evan, Evan has been, has here, been here. The avatar of Evan that squats in the studio has been here uh, really permanently, kind of a fixture of the property. Um despite the fact that our lease was terribly clear that we are not to have vermin or pets inside of the place. Well, um, quite, exactly. quite frankly, Spencer, uh, I think we should have figured this out 20 weeks ago. Uh, when, do you remember when we had that issue with the sound coming through the floor and we had to put all the soundproofing in the floor? Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah, not something was, you um, normally do. Normally it's not an issue. No. And I assumed it was like a cask of Amontillado. Um, Actually, I think I got the completely wrong story. Uh, <laughs> something under the floorboards, though. Mask of Red Death? No, ben, what is this show? <laughs> this show is One Shot, One Quill. It is a podcast in which you and I, and sometimes, <laughs> like this week, a guest, uh, take one premise and two items that are suggested by listeners or sometimes pulled off of a website that we find on the internet, and then we roll dice and we select those premises and items and then we mish and mash them together. And then at the end, we hope that we have a good detailed brainstorm for someone to take and finish and make into a one shot or just inspiration for you to use in your own tabletop RPG campaigns or games. It's sort of sometimes with this intro, it's sort of like you've completed the race and then the ref came out and said, by the way, there is two more laps. <laughs> well, um, I never know whether it's 100, 115, 135 <laughs> meter dash. You know, you just right, got to keep right. running until someone tells you to stop. 
Exactly, exactly. It's it's like being in the if I was in the Olympics and I secured the the lead and I had crossed the finish line, I would not stop actually for several laps. As many of them do. That's not a victory lap. They're terrified that the race isn't actually over. I mean, do you remember Michael the first time Michael Phelps ever swam and they had to give him medical attention because he ended up out of the pool <laughs> just swimming on the floor? Yeah. Yeah. At no point was he prepared for anyone to kind of get that lead up on him. He wouldn't stop until the race was won, and he would not clarify what the race was. Uh, Frankly, until that medal is on me, I'm not letting anyone take a step in front of me. <laughs> Didn't his shoulder check the ref? The ref was like, sir, please stop stopping, or please stop And running. the paramedic, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the paramedic, that's right, because his feet were bleeding. His family came out to congratulate him. There was no medal on him, though. He decked them all, threw him to the ground. <laughs> Spencer, how many premises do we have this week? Ben, I'm so glad you asked. One. All right. Do you uh, want me to roll that? Yes. Okay. And um, as soon as you figure out how, I have some scientists who are eager to talk to you. Uh, five. Interesting. All right. Um, oh, fuck. I wasn't prepared for this. Hold on. It says... That's weird. I went off the edge of the list, and this is written in a language I don't think any human can read. English. <laughs> Ben, a traveling party enters a town in which its citizens appear to always be in a state of pure bliss. The village is well kept and is breathtakingly beautiful. Either a spell or enchantment has been placed over this village. Something happens to where the party is able to see past the illusion, though, where they find that the town is actually dilapidated and infested with insects and rats. Its citizens are covered in their own filth and are emaciated as they have not moved in weeks. The magic is barely keeping them alive, yet they are content due to the visions they receive via this illusory magic. Well, Spencer, I'm sorry. We can't do this one. This is just we happy few. I was going This is. I mean, that, here's the thing. The more you went on, the more it was just we happy few. Is a, this? This is also. I did just get a letter. Uh, I got. A, I got a fax. Actually, I just got a fax uh-huh. from. This looks like Bethesda of Maryland. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it says here that they uh, says here that Bethesda don't want us to do that that memory lane tranquility lane plot line from Fallout Three. Right. Yeah. No. It's it's I that's have oof. an idea. Okay. Is it is it for our legal defense when we get sued by Bethesda? No. Or uh, that's just the fact that we don't technically list an address for this recording studio. Um, and I'll so, never tell. <laughs> Special thanks to Brittany for that suggestion, mm-hmm. who has played none of those games. It's very, <laughs> legally, oh, so, it is important so for everyone to understand that she did not play those when she wrote those in, so. She doesn't even know Bethany Esta. Um, so, it's, well, as this comes out, it is November 30th, but that means that most people will be listening to this in December. Um which means that we have the perfect chance to make our fun little winter wonderland that also is an illusion cast by a weir hag. Buir? Where? You you know oh, this one, yeah. Spencer. Our fun, yeah, our fun I, little I snow hag. It's, it's the one when you open up the dictionary to fuck ugly. Um, <laughs> that's the, that's the buer hag. Yeah. Buir, buer. F- oh, God. I've never even thought of pronouncing that word. Queen Bee, the Frost Maiden. <laughs> so, so I looked not related it, to the other Frost Maiden. I looked it up. Uh, 
This is exactly how uh, how to pronounce dot com says to pronounce it. Is it French? Uh, it God, God French. I hate the Europeans. <laughs> I hate Europeans. Get your words out of my European fantasy. <laughs> and Anheuser Burehag, she is uh yeah, she's she's put a, a wintry hex over the town. I personally like it. I think that um, also I will say, I think legally that distincts it enough from we happy few to where we won't run into any trouble. I have um I have a little tangential anecdote to share here mm-hmm. okay. um, that that this very much reminds me of. There is an old green text floating around from the tabletop uh, forum of 4chan from forever ago uh, that has stuck with me ever since I read it. It was a side quest that a group ran into where they had entered a town uh, and all of the people were in subservience to this uh, grand wizard. Like there was a statue built to the wizard's honor. The wizard lived up in the tower and it seemed like every single person a great part of their lives was spent doing something in in ultimate service to this wizard like someone's you know a good chunk of their farm is devoted to the wizard um someone's tavern always sets aside a full keg of ale for the wizard the smith is crafting this that and the other for the wizard um it's it's just such a huge part of everyone's daily lives and their productivity uh to the point that the party's like well shit this town has been enslaved and we need to go find them uh, we need to go find this guy. He he must he lives at the top of that great grand tower, uh, and we will dispose of him and break the curse that these people are clearly under. Because everyone also only speaks glowingly of the wizard. Mm-hmm. Was and the wizard just a really swell guy? The wizard was a aged, on death's door, former adventurer in hospice to this village. Like he had saved it at one point, but he's not the dude in the statue anymore. He is old and weary. His mind is dementia addled and he's just being cared for by these people until he dies because they love and respect him that much. And like the party realizes that they had the worst assumptions. And I, I don't know why that's, that's something that clicks with me here. Um, obviously I like the idea of there being an actual villain more Mm -hmm. because it's not stealing. Right. Uh, Again, because uh, legally we, this is definitely distinct from any popular video game you may have played. Before <laughs> we get too into it, we should roll items. We absolutely should. I almost forgot. Uh, we have a 102 to go off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, that first one will be an 8. An 8. So shockingly low Book? for 102 options. I know, right? <laughs> Book of Epic Boredom. When reading, save versus sleep. Oh, okay. Uh, that second one will be a one. Holy shit. Wooden spoon carved with the rune for food. When tapped on an inert organic or semi-organic material, i.e. wood or dirt, it turns that stuff into edible foodstuffs, although it will be mushy and unpalatable. Huh. So we've got, like, a shitty alternative to the Midas touch. Yeah. So- I, I think the easiest way to incorporate those spoons if we're doing this Winter Wonderland thing, um, uh, essentially all of the villagers have those spoons. And so whatever the gruel they're eating, um, because they're all in this illusion, at least is edible. And then the illusion probably takes care of the taste. I was right. Yeah, it would explain why they, it said that, like they were emaciated and they're barely being kept alive. Mm. I, I think that that can still hold sway here, but like this is an additional. Well, they're not getting the nutrients they need. 
because it's just mm-hmm. dirt, but it is edible dirt. And so it's at least calories to keep them alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're also I mean, they're, they're battling the elements here. They're they're freezing cold. They're likely losing pounds by the week. Yeah, this is a well, this is this is freaky. This is an element of body horror horror. Rather, I don't think you see too often. Yeah. What's the uh, what did you say the first item was? The Book of Epic Boredom. The Book of Epic uh, Basically Boredom. puts you to sleep if you don't pass a save when reading it. Okay. I, I have mean, oh. an idea. Ben, please go first. Oh, I was going to say, uh, you could have this. I, I don't think they should immediately see through the illusion, right? The illusion should be true for at least a second until they see these clues. I think the Book of Boredom could be another, like, clue. Uh, so the idea that I had was that maybe that is... So, like, you you go into the... It's, uh, and, and the premise was, it sounds like they're... The people of this town are very happy in this illusion. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, maybe you don't get the book. Maybe you have to find the book. And maybe that's how you break... You help the people of the town break the spell. Um, Interesting. So falling asleep in some well, way helps. Yeah. Like, dis- like the disconnect them from it. it forces you to stop being enthralled with the illusion. And then that in oh. turn breaks the, I don't know, charm. Uh, I, I like that. actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's good. That that's actually a really good use for that. Yeah. And then, yeah, I guess the the wooden spoons could just be the could be that part of it. But then, who's the we we established there was like a winter theme. Who is the villain in this this uh, place? So ben had suggested a type of hag called the bleh hag. Right, the bleh uh, hag. Burr hag. It's burr hag. Uh, well, that's what that's what that's what I said. She. <laughs> that's what uh, they are. But who are they? Let's talk about the question. personality here. A very good question. So, I, I mean, a, a burhag does kind of thrive in those um, in those icy, frigid environments. They tend to look in their true form like these frail, um, kind of blue-tinged skin, frost-bitten humans. Kind of like the the whites of the Game of Thrones universe mm-hmm. or the even the White Walkers. But um, they got these, you know, maniacal, bloodthirsty grins and these long, you know, razor-sharp knife fingers and uh uh this snow white hair that goes with them kind of dressed in these you know white snow stained rags i'm thinking maybe a couple like bells that kind of cling to the ends uh the frayed ends of her coat mm-hmm. um but what I, is her relationship to this village what I what think, convinced her to do this i think we got a classic moral dilemma here oh boy now i'm not okay. entirely sure what she is getting out of it which we'll have to figure out sexual gratification but, um, but perhaps she came up to this village as like a frail old woman and this village it's not her fault that everyone in the village is emaciated and you know it the village is terrible that's just a consequence of the village in this frozen oh, they, winter wonderland or winter they had like a terrible harvest yeah. something burned out the crops mm. even Play got to him but yeah they were already dying when she got there if we want the winter wonderland thing it could be like another Icewind dale sort of situation where they're off making a colony somewhere that just sucks right and so they're mm-hmm. all having a terrible time and one day this old woman comes up and she's like oh i'll ha- make a deal with you 
every, your entire life will turn around and you'll start enjoying it and all this stuff, but I don't know. I'm mayor and you have to give me one of your children or something. I don't know. Uh, and then the way she does that is mm-hmm. just casting this whole illusion over the town. So they're still living in this squalor and it sucks, but they have this, you know, illusion that uh, things are great. So if you, it then becomes a moral choice of if you take out the hag or pop them out of this illusion, suddenly their lives will suck. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad call. It's not a bad call. The the you're going to trade off your suffering in exchange. You're going to make a great sacrifice in exchange for me ridding you of your suffering. Um, not a bad call at all. Could I share an interesting tidbit mm-hmm. uh, from from a Burhag's, um entry here in Volo's guide, which is where they were introduced? It reads: Burhags are especially attracted to acts of selfishness and greed, typically justified by bone chilling weather. For example, stealing food from a hungry child to keep yourself comfortably full would certainly put yourself on a Burhag's radar. <coughs> they thrive on the suffering of others, and they relish <clears throat> and they relish watching people starve to death, die of frostbite, other such mortal mistakes that are commonplace in the harsh cold of wintertime in the mountains. So, and so I'm f- I, I do feel like this hag could be a wonderful case of divine punishment. Yeah. And that if you confront the hag, having said, you know, we've seen through your illusion, we know what you're doing to this town, to say, no, this is what the town did to itself. So what if? It was like this when I got here. What if? Um, and and putting and a little I, bit of a twist here. Okay. What if there's a mayor? And the yes. mayor. Okay. And stay with oh, me wait, here. there's more? Isn't it? I was already with you at the mayor. I feel like you're kind of jumping the shark now. So now, so so, just try to imagine there's a mayor and he's a fucking asshole. Yeah. Oh, you saved it. Okay, I, yeah. I love it. He's an asshole mayor. Okay. Is this, this okay. going to turn into like a Burgermeister thing from uh... from the uh, the winter? Uh, the Santa Claus comes into now. <laughs> yes, Santa Claus comes into now. Uh, um, similar, maybe similar stature, or maybe that can be up to the the DM, but maybe. He, being an asshole, is what uh, links up. That's what brings the 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 uh, the uh, hag to town. What if he is an asshole and like this, the burr hag is doing this. the The person who is suffering for the burr hag to get her, you know, hag rocks off, is the mayor. <laughs> She pulls up and she's like, he's he's the only one who is able to see through the illusion. He can't leave the town, can't tell anyone about it for some reason. Part wow. of the curse, I guess. Alternative. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, go ahead. So he was terrible to this town. Um, and now he's the person who sees through the illusion and has to watch as all the people in this town eat dirt and all this and are having a great time. And he's trapped here. And just in the worst situation with all these people. Uh, I think that is... I love that. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, it it reminds me of the... I started pivoting. We've pivoted on, like, vibes and references and uh, uh, inspiration, I think, all throughout this with every every beat here. But now I'm starting to think of that... um, it was this horror game, uh, monochrome, like, black and white with the occasional red. And you were, like, 
exploring the ruins of a colonial settlement that was attacked not by Native Americans on the on the eastern coast of America, but like this Wendigo kind of creature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I love the idea of like, it looks like a winter wonderland. And then once you see through it, it's these ramshackle huts like a, it's clearly a colonial settlement. And you can find notices pinned to the, you know, notice boards outside. They're like, you know, nobody eats anything unless they bring in X amount of well, ore or so crops was, or something. What I was thinking is the mayor would be a particular asshole in like your your kingly despot kind of way in that mm-hmm. everyone else is starving and he is eating uh, and and. To, to build off of Ben's idea, because I, I do like that, uh, maybe that hasn't changed. Uh, maybe, that, like, so the mayor is no longer the one who is getting the food from everyone. He's the only one who can mm-hmm. see it, and his punishment is they are still bringing the food to where they were bringing the food before, and and, and the, the villagers of this town are still getting, like, pillaged. Obviously, now they're happier about it because they're under this illusion, but they're bringing it to, I almost said the Wendigo, the, the, the Birheg, and it, uh, he, he just gets transplanted, and yeah, and then that's his, like, global, that's his, his universal punishment, is he has to watch the consequences of his, consequences of his actions, except for the fact that they're not his actions anymore. Uh, stealing, stealing from, uh, another, video game uh you know how in wind waker Mm -hmm. there is that uh the bit at the very beginning where all the girls are being kidnapped by the giant bird Mm -hmm. and then once you free them there's that thing where the rich guy becomes like switches places with the poor guy because the poor guy got his daughter back just for free because he didn't have any money Mm -hmm. and the rich guy paid uh whoever it was to bring the daughter back and so they like switch Mm -hmm. um what if that's what happens to this guy? Like the hag transplants him as the burgermeister of the town or mayor of the town or whatever. Um, and so he's just kind of left in the streets, unable to leave, just watching as, uh, and maybe they don't know. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe they don't know that it has changed that like he has been deposed and now right. there's just this guy Part of the illusion is yeah now the hag is just 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 the mayor now mm-hmm. and maybe that's the quest hook maybe that's the maybe and, and, and you know adventurers aren't necessarily privy to the same things that uh npcs are but maybe like they start kind of getting taken in by it because we were talking about that earlier they shouldn't see it right through it right away uh but the deposed mayor yeah. Is the one that like sort of they they come across the one unhappy man even in the illusion, and then it starts to unravel and they start realizing, oh shit! I like that Evan because it goes back to our old classic of quest giver bad. <laughs> right, the the quest <laughs> he, giver bad thing. Yeah, he's the one who sets them off on this you know journey of discovering the illusion, but in the end, he's basically the whole reason the illusion exists at all right yeah yeah and so the situation then that we have to kind of because we pitched a few ideas want to make sure we're all kind of on a cohesive page party arrives in winter wonderland where everyone is absolutely euphoric splendor chipper um you know doing doing whatever they have to but everyone kind of lives in a utopia in an otherwise inhospitable winter wonderland um winter wasteland and the only guy 
that seems to not be happy is someone that the other villagers can't even see. They don't pay him literally any mind. Mm. I think. Maybe at the first sight of him or something, he vanishes into a, a puff of you know white snow or something. Like the the hag successfully covers him up for a second. I, I think pops they see up him, again. and I think they just sort yeah. of like refer to him as the Scrooge of the town. I think I think they know he's there, but they don't pay him any money oh, yeah? because he's the only one who is bahumbugging this whole place. And why would he be bahumbugging this whole place? Since this new mayor came into town, we don't know what happened to the last guy. They like can't tell who he is. He's just yeah. the only grump in the town. Oh yeah, and that's okay. part of the punishment. Good. Is now he's not the one reaping the benefits. Mm-hmm. So he's tried to warn them before, but it doesn't work because they're fucking having a great time. Uh, and I think can the yeah. is is it a matter of like there is nothing that the mayor can say that gives way to the fact that it's an illusion? Like like uh, like the words just come out as static or as dust or something. Yeah, I think that's definitely if he well, yeah, tries or, to or talk or about it. He like they hear. Bah humbug. Yeah, anytime if you're under he the says... illusion, you, you, he, he has to like choose his words really <laughs> carefully to get the adventurer to hear what he's trying to say. And then once the illusion is broken, you can actually hear what he's trying to say. But if he comes out too overtly like, hey, here's the situation, fucking, you know, and that, that'll be a fun test for, for a DM to do is like, yeah. okay, how do I say this without saying because if I just say it, it's, well, I hate Christmas and bah humbug and coal, coal, coal. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I like that. And so we have, in addition to this, mm-hmm. a, a night hag who is running it because this gentleman Burhag. was working everyone. Sorry, Burhag. <laughs> uh, a, a mayor here who was working everyone to the bone, making sure that he would eat but insisting that nobody else got food until, oh, this, that, and the other gets done. Just a real piece of shit mm-hmm. driving this town into the ground. And now he is forced to watch his town corrode and wither away. Meanwhile, the Burhag has also gotten itself a sustainable amount of food from the few villagers that, under her thrall, go out and bring her offerings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is, I think that is tremendous. Also, I, um, I think that in the end, these villagers are probably... Because they're emaciated, so they're probably suffering, but just don't really know they're yeah, they suffering. don't realize how bad they actually have it. So it's like a smorgasbord for a burhag. Mm-hmm. And I guess the party's also going to, uh, uh, once they find and confront this burhag, they get the context of, oh, the town was already dying when I got here, but even if you kill me, you can't save them. They're mm-hmm. going to be like that anyway. Right. Um, and then I think at the very end, you, but, you can... Once you figure out who the homeless man in town was, you can, mm-hmm. you know, the party. That It's that good kind of moral choice where there's not a happy ending, but you can do something that maybe makes you feel better. There maybe was, you just yeah, you know, beat the shit ending. out of the mayor, even though that's not yeah. going to fix the problem. <laughs> I mean, I think the good ending is that one of your people is a cleric. One of your players is a cleric and decides to set up shop here, creating food and water for the whole town. Right. Forever. Yeah. That's the good. Very ending. circumstantial, but yeah, there's a chance, I guess, if that the, you if could it's a, if save you play this it town. as a one-off, there can be a happy ending where the adventurers actually do come in and save everybody. But, if you're playing this as part of like a like a bigger campaign, mm-hmm. then like a rhyme of the frostman, like, and, <laughs> uh, then I'm sorry, your your folks are gonna. Shit, I'm not going to be able to use this now in Red Frostbite when I run it. <laughs> uh, God damn it. In, in the end, you're really uh, 
your moral choice is whether it's better to, you know, suffer in truth or suffer in a lie mm-hmm. and not know you're suffering as bad as you were before. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's good and all, but like I like my moral dilemmas to be more in the style of Bethany Esda where <laughs> you know, it's the good option is is mm. you uh well, you see, the bad option is is you nuke an entire town and commit genocide, and and the good option is you don't do that. Yeah, I like more complex moral dilemmas like that. That's a very so, complex moral dilemma because there's a lot. Of, well, there's a lot of nuance. If, exactly, you know, it's like, do I want to kill thousands of innocent town, people for no reason? You've got this town then where you can like trade and you get a, you can get a house and you know you, there's like a, there's like a sense of like community that builds up around this town. And if you for nuke sure. it, yeah. uh, the town is nuked. And, and, and you don't get I, any of really that. I know. Get a benefit from it. I know that a lot of people, their trouble with uh, tabletop RPGs is that choices have too many options and they're not a binary, good or bad. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we've got this whole thing here. Uh, to be clear, are we sure we, we've ironed out every angle of the wooden spoon and the uh, Book of Borden? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is bending the rules of your uh, podcast a little bit, but I do. I think everybody in the town has... She She's drawn a, like, rune on, on these, like, enchanted mm. wooden spoons or whatever. Uh, I, I think the wooden spoon is just kind of like the thing that tips you off, because they're adventurers, so they're exceptional. Right. If one of them picks up this wooden spoon... Or maybe they require some sort of attunement or something. Right. So, like, they're eating and they're like, this tastes terrible. It right. isn't sustaining me. And it's, like, a little bit more of a, a, a key into, like, well, maybe I should go listen to that that Scrooge of a fella. Because uh, uh, yeah. there is something going on here. And I do. I think there maybe you can uh, play it a little bit with, the, with the, the Tome of Boredom or whatever. Like, I think you can play it where... There's an option for the party to sort of lead a revolt, uh, and but it's up to them. You can either like start turning people away from the bear hag, and it's like by by you know boring them out of the illusion, and then they're like, wait a minute, this isn't changed at all, um, and maybe that makes the where uh, since everybody's brought up video games this whole podcast a Breath of the Wild situation. <laughs> the more villagers that you successfully like break out of the illusion. The weaker the werehag is when you, or the, yeah, the she the weaker they are when you go to confront them, uh, because that, yeah, there are less, there's less food, but the more you push for that, and it had to be a balanced thing, but the more you push for that, the more aware of the fact that you're breaking people out of the illusion she is, like, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah, the um, the only other tip I want to kind of throw out is. To, to add to the mystery here, there is a spell that immediately shakes the confidence of any pet detective in D&D, uh-huh. and it's called Nistool's Magic Aura. I thought you were going to say counterspell. Uh, that too. <laughs> this is a PHB spell. Uh, it's second level illusion, and it's on the wizard spell list, and I've used it more than once to completely throw off people uh, who are like, ah, detect magic or divine sense. Uh, this is... <clears throat> This is basically a spell that throws off divination magic. Mm-hmm. You can make you can put an aura over a non-magical object and make it so that detect magic or identify tells you that it's magical. Boom. Or vice versa. You can hide 
a spell. You can say, for example, mask the massive illusion that you're putting down so that when someone casts detect magic, they don't fucking see anything wrong with this place. Right. Mm-hmm. I do. I think Something. I think that is a good way within mechanics. Because I'm always like, I, I am always fine with, with there being a level of like, oh, this is the final boss. There's a level of like, it has its own rules, but there is a level of magic that like, you know, I, I am fascinated with that kind of concept of like, oh, a god can just sort of make new spells. Um, or this is your firebolt, but it does bludgeoning damage. What? Uh, that's just a rock. That's just, um, yes, it's just a rock. That's bolt. called a bomb. <laughs> um, but you know, like, so, so I do. I think that's, uh, that is a nice way of giving this thing a little bit more, uh, credence in terms of the game style. Uh, and I like that. I'd, I'd never heard of that spell before. That was that's that scares me because you've DM'd campaigns for me before, and I don't know if I've been tricked or not. It's a it's a good way to because this premise of being in an illusory town and what is real, what is fake. Uh, I I don't think I do agree that spells like these exist for a reason. I just don't think it should be used to so easily circumvent a, a plot hook. Go ahead, Ben. Oh, I was just gonna say I think that's. Pretty much all we needed, except for, of course, the name. I mean, I have I have what I think is a good idea, but I'll let someone else throw out a name before I just smash uh, it into we the we let. Uh, it's been a minute, but yeah, but let's let the guest let go. the guest get first pick. Uh, Christmas in Canada, hell. Okay. All right, we're we're Kim? next time we have a guest on, we're not letting them <laughs> throw out the name first. Frosty the Snow. <laughs> Uh, Spencer, do you have one? How the Bear Hag stole Christmas. Okay, that's the last one. Go ahead. I actually do want to double back around and say I'm proud of that last one. I would like to enter that one into consideration. Winter Blunderland. <laughs> that's good, but I feel like you're trying to get in cross-promotion there. D- uh, sh- what? No, Winter never. Products. Never. I'm just going to scratch out cock and bull pun on my notes here. <laughs> uh, can I hit you with this one? Haggle Rock, colon, truth or burr. Truth or burr. Uh, I don't hate it. Unless it, anybody else has any burning in, jokes, I'm, I'm willing for it. It incorporates the whole, you know, do you give them the fact that they're suffering or do you let them stick with the hag? It's got our Haggle Rock branding on it, which, of course, is our most profitable series. Right. I mean, I don't know if if no one if no one else is excited about how the bear hag stole Christmas, I guess I can let that one slide. Uh, oh, I've also got uh, Haggle Rock Snow Place Like Home. Um, <laughs> uh, no, that's it. Yeah, I think that's okay. it. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for choosing another episode of One Shot, One Quill for your drive time, morning commute, your lunch hour, your I'm folding laundry and I just can't stand being alone with my own thoughts. Don't call me out like that. Okay, that was really rude. And we're uh, we're glad you chose us and not just like a nature documentary about wasps because fuck it, that's there in my recommended. Might as well, I guess. (laughs) Or now I know something. You, You know what I'll say? Glad you chose us instead of Critical Role. Yeah, right. Well, I don't know if anyone's folding laundry for four and a half hours, but (laughs) if they are, God help them. Um, You need all the help you can get. 
We are, uh, as always, thankful for those of you that have rated and reviewed us on iTunes. We encourage anybody who hasn't, if they have the time, to go do that for us. Uh, Ben, anybody else you would like to thank? Uh, Yeah, first off the bat, I'd like to thank Morgan the Bard for our theme song, Elitverdo Goulier, off the album Lost in Time. Uh, You can find that on the internet if you search for it. Uh, I've actually made sure that I give enough information now to find that, so there you go. Uh, that vague cookie crumb, cookie crumb trail that you just you, that that was enough information. Yeah, you think? Just, <laughs> this is a podcast for D and D adventurers. They like plot hooks, Spencer. Your your quest I, is to find Lost in Time by Morgan the Bard by Google searching it and clicking on the first thing that you find. Um, <laughs> if you wish to, much like the premise where you have to find Lost in Time on the internet, uh, suggest a premise or an item or multiple of those things. And uh, let me say, if you want to suggest multiple premises, it seems like we might need them. Uh, you can do so by contacting us at DND pod on Twitter. That is at DND pod. You can DM us or tag us or whatever, and I will see it for sure. And I think that is everybody except Evan, thank you very much for joining oh, us this week. Yes, of course. I uh, only ask that in payment you don't fill this hole that I've dug with cement. Uh, no, we're I'll die. snow. That will actually kill me. No. Yeah, uh, technically not cement, mm. but also technically Wait. not not filling it. <laughs> now, Evan, does wet cement count as cement? Wet cement does count as cement. Ben is the okay, thing. Alright, well before you guys uh, get into that, I'm gonna go back in there and uh, start screaming squatter's rights, so I'll just hide inside this little hole and... I would do something about it, but we always have cameras pointing at him, and I'll be damned if I'm going back to jail. Spencer, if you could distract him for a minute, I'm gonna make a run to the hardware store. Okay. Evan, do you want to tell me your opinions about literally anything at length? Yeah, you know what? Actually, let me go down on this hole really quick and I'll bring a couple books. Well,